0: If you have $500 to start collecting or investing, how can you best spend that money? We're going to tell you what we think next on Cards on the Table. Hello? sports card investors, and welcome to another episode of Cards on the Table, where we have some great topics to talk about today, including one suggested by our viewers. Ben, if I were to give you $500 to spend on cards, how would you spend it for collecting or investing? We're going we're gonna to talk about that next, but first, welcome to the show. You're filling in for Teapot. Didn't show up. His bucks got beat down so bad, his Milwaukee bucks, he can't even handle
1: being on the show today. It's looking grim for Giannis, doesn't want to show up, tells us on short notice what the heck is going on with that
0: guy. Looking good for Jimmy Butler and looking good for a lot of your Kentucky guys over here. Doug, you guys are having a good postseason
2: overall. Yeah, I think we entered the postseason with like 17 former Wildcats in the playoffs, which is pretty nuts. And now Teapot's been cursed by the ghost of Tyler Hero and couldn't make it today. (laughs) There you go. Welcome.
0: Welcome back to the show. So as I said, one of our users asked the question, if you were starting today and had $500 to start collecting or investing, how would you spend that money? We thought that was a pretty fascinating question. So let's jump right in. Ben, I'm going to go with you first. $500 today. How do you approach it?
1: Well, we could split this in half. You know, Is it collecting versus investing? If it's collecting, I collect former Syracuse players, I could buy like 700 cards. Your money can go a long
0: way. I mean, that's true. That's something seriously to think
1: about, right? Like if
0: you're Mm -hmm. collecting college cards or guys who aren't top name, $500 can actually go a really long way.
1: Absolutely, that's that's what I do. I honestly think I probably have the best collection of former Syracuse players in the world, strictly because I buy a whole bunch of flawless RPAs, National Treasures RPAs, Immaculate, stuff like that for 10, 15, 20 bucks a lot of times. But when it, when we're talking about investing, that's where it gets interesting. I'll start off by saying I'm not I'm not breaking. I only break with one person, and it's forty breaks. <laughs> <laughs> but other than that, I I would not recommend breaking sure at definitely all. don't do that. Um, don't
0: and don't even buy boxes and rip them. If you want to do it for yeah. fun, great. But if you're actually trying to make some money on it, that's not what you should be doing with your five hundred bucks.
1: Exactly. You know, I might suggest potentially buying. Some sealed wax and sitting on it. Wanted to get in on the uh, the Prism Monopoly today, but Panini's website just blew up, and um, that would have been something that I would have wanted wanted to sit on a little bit. Otherwise, I'm probably going to go with I don't buy I don't buy in season. NFL season's coming up. I'm probably going to split that money. Maybe do one nice PSA ten slab, and then try to get in on maybe a couple autos of somebody, and and then send those off to PSA to to have something safe. But also something that, if it grades well, I can really maximize that profit. Okay, you so can getting, do a lot with five hundred bucks.
0: Yeah, so get one graded card, get some raw cards, mm-hmm. get those graded. Absolutely. And it sounds like a little bit of speculating on on an upcoming season and what yes. could happen. And okay.
1: then and then not not getting too crazy. I'm not buying wide receivers, not buying running backs, <laughs> okay. or, or former Kentucky players or anything like that.
0: Understandable, especially for football. Understandable. <laughs> Doug, is this your strategy, or how do you differ here?
2: Uh, I differ in that I am buying wide receivers, and I am buying former Kentucky Interesting. players. Oh, so, no. Yeah, I'm buying up every <laughs> Wondell Robinson right now that's like under $5, so uh, I've got a nice rainbow chase going on for my man Wondell. Um, yeah, there's a couple of different ways to look at this, right? So if your goal is to make money, or if your goal is to not lose money, don't rip packs don't join breaks for goals entertainment that's my number one form of entertainment i love ripping products so if it's entertainment based i'm going that direction but if you're trying to turn that money into more money there's a couple of different ways to look at it Um, you can look at it in a safe sense and and go vintage slabbed vintage something that's not going to see that you know the big peaks and valleys like we have in ultra modern stuff um, if you have a little bit more risk tolerance, I would buy raw cards and grade them if you have a good eye for it. If you don't have a good eye for grading, maybe avoid that route because you know, then after grading fees, you could really get hurt with uh, some poor grades. But if you have a decent eye for it, buy raw cards, grade those and flip that direction. Um, but right now, I'm probably looking at really liquid cards in the offseason. Ben mentioned off season, don't buy during the season. So I'm looking at like PSA 9s uh, of football right now, of quarterbacks. Those tend to be really liquid cards, things that with just a little bit of price movement, you can get rid of pretty quickly. And, and honestly, even though it's the offseason, football is kind of still on it's fire still right now. It's still hot. Normally, I mean, we don't Jalen heat Hurts, up.
0: Jalen Hurts was in the top five list this oh, week, yeah. and
2: we're, we're yeah. in the middle of the offseason here. And I'm sure Jordan Love is is, yeah. is going to come back up with some Roger, recent Rodgers Rogers. Rodgers.
0: cards have obviously been hot, a lot of offseason. Yeah. Yeah. Normally, we
2: don't really see that until the national, but football is like heating up really early yeah. this year and staying on. It's kind of the primary sport, even during uh, you know uh, basketball playoffs. So right now might be the time to look at basketball, Players that aren't in the playoffs because football is already hot. the The playoff guys are going to be the main focus. Baseball is in full swing, so basketball guys not in the playoffs. PSA nine stuff like that.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's all really, really good advice all throughout there as well. Dollar bins and value bins at card shows and card shops often a great way to find you know cards that you can actually get pretty good deals on. And flipping is alive again. Like, flipping was much more difficult in 2021 and 2022 when the overall market was coming down. But there's been a lot of examples of players recently in baseball so far in this short season. Acuna, you've got Otani, obviously, who's been going crazy. You've got Tatis, who just came back, and his cards are hot. And, you know, you saw last football season, Hertz's cards went wild. T-Law's cards went wild. There's many people who, who you know, saw their cards bump like that. And so flipping is possible. If you do what everyone suggested, buy wrong grade, get in on prospects in the off-season who you think could have a good year, hunt those dollar bins for those prospects, there's a lot of things you can do here to make your $500 go a long way. Or, as Ben said and Doug said, you could just buy cards of your favorite player and if it's not a well-known player, it probably goes a long way, that $500. Speaking of going a long way, I went for a value pick this week on pristineauction.com. Tyrese Maxey has a 2020 Hoops Rookie ink card on there, a raw card, not very expensive, not a lot of bids on the card right now. Auction ends this weekend on pristineauction.com, but 76ers look like the real deal, Doug, and Tyrese Maxey played well yeah. in that first-round series against the Nets. I like him. Who are you looking at on Pristine Auction?
2: Well, I love your pick, Tyrese Maxey, of course. I went a very nostalgic pick. I went with 1983 Wrestling Stars uh jimmy superfly snooka it's a hand signed card it's psa authenticated Uh, i'm not a wrestling guy now but i was growing up and i was a huge jimmy uh, superfly snooka fan and i think i broke one of my teeth trying to imitate him (laughs) once so uh yeah i saw that had to have it what's your card
1: uh going classic all-time great card 1980 ricky henderson psa 10 authentic auto hard signed It doesn't get much
0: better. There you go. All these cards right now are available on pristineauction.com. And if you register for pristineauction.com and use promo code SCI when you register, you're going to get $10 free credit towards your first purchase. Let's go into the data dive segment. So on the Market Movers YouTube channel this past weekend, Teapot projected who could be the NBA breakout stars for next season. He had names like Darius Garland and Jordan Poole. He mentioned one of your favorites. Bain, Desmond Bain, he mentioned him. <laughs> Maxie, Tyrese Maxie, who we just spoke about. He mentioned Halliburton quickly for the Knicks. So a lot of a lot of different interesting names there, Doug. What are your thoughts? You think he's right on point here? You got others that you got your eye on? Who's gonna break
2: out in the card market next season? I like a couple of his choices. I thought, you know, I like Garland, but I don't know that that he hasn't already sort of broken mm-hmm. out. Um, that's going to be a, a good team, a competitive team, and he's going to be a crucial part of that. So I like Garland. I like Halliburton a lot. That's a guy I picked back in January on, on, on an episode we did. Um, I love Maxie. We just talked about Maxi. When it comes to a guy like Quickly who doesn't start and doesn't get a huge uh, workload, you know, who's going to be overshadowed by Brunson right now. That's not a guy I'm looking – I mean, he's got burst potential. We've seen him mm-hmm. put up 40-point games and have these weeks of really, you know – high value. But overall, I don't think that's going to be a consistent breakout guy. Um, and then Bain, no. Uh, I'm going to lob that one to Ben for, for Bain later. But uh, I look at a guy like Josh Giddy right now. I think the Thunder are really good and have the potential to stay really good. They're really young. They they, they'll get Chet Holmgren back. Maybe he plays, maybe he doesn't. Um, They've got a million draft picks coming up that they can either use or trade. Uh, I love where the Thunder are at, so I like Giddy a lot. He's a triple-double threat constantly, and I like Anthony Edwards a lot. Now, you might think, well, he's already blown up, but I think there's another tier to Anthony Edwards' card market i think he can be one of the top tier guys hmm. uh, just from a personality standpoint a leadership standpoint a likability standpoint that converts over to winning i think anthony edwards is one and of his market's ones. fallen yeah it has. it
0: has fallen i mean he was hot as could be a couple years ago but but it's it's come down so that's interesting maybe there's a little bit of a buy low opportunity on anthony edwards right now not as soon much as they're out of the run.
2: playoffs probably
0: yeah yeah you gotta wait I, i'd even wait maybe a month or two beyond that you typically see prices in the offseason bottom out a month or two after the player is eliminated so yeah keep an eye on that market ben who are you looking at
1: well i mean just looking at what teapot suggested i sort of hard disagree with a lot of this stuff yeah. i don't think garland has already broken out jordan Poole has already broken out tyrese halliburton i do agree with but i think a lot of people were on him relatively yeah early. he was
0: hyped all season this year like yeah. halliburton was, um, was talked about quite a bit
1: and and so i i do like him overall maxi i'm sort of lukewarm on quickly not a big fan desmond bain what are we talking about here? You've got ja, you've got John ja Moran and Jaron Jackson Jr. on the same team, and Dylan Brooks, like, and Dylan Brooks. <laughs> you've got Dylan Brooks. How in that ecosystem can can the hobby support like the third guy on this team? All I'm saying
2: that's got to be is, the same uh, argument for Jordan I mean, Poole then, but, right? But,
1: but I mean Maxi too.
2: So but it, Harden's on a Harden's on a short contract. Yeah, he,
1: he's on a short contract. And one thing that I'll say is I I am pretty conservative when it comes to speculating on these guys. I either want the star player, the absolute star player on these teams, or if you're a championship-level team, maybe the second guy. And the example I'll use, and I've used before, Clay Thompson. Arguably the second greatest shooter of all time, has like four titles, and his market is sort of lukewarm. Yeah. And he's a likable guy. At best, really. He's not yeah. likable. Like he's best. the most
2: boring guy in the league. Uh, Him you're... and Kawhi are like the most boring guys of all time. But,
1: but it... if, if, the, if the hobby can't support his market and some of these other guys, then how can it possibly support Desmond Bain? I will double down with, with Doug and say I, I do like Josh Giddy. It is sort of like that second guy, so I need to see the Thunder get to that, that upper echelon, which I do think they can be. I don't think Chet Holmgren's going to pl- play like 200 games in the NBA, <laughs> so not worried about him. But a guy I do like, Bancaro. I think he's yeah. gonna be the superstar in Orlando. All
0: right, and his cards are down. Yes, He was his on the cold list this week. He, yep. You know, he kinda little, a little off-season dip yep. right now, early dip Absolutely. for him, so okay, all right. Yeah, you had some big breakout guys this year. Guys like Darren Fox and Shea Gilgius Alexander will be interesting to see who from this list goes next year. I like Tyrese Maxey, I own some of his cards. I've been a fan of him and the 76ers in general, so it'll be interesting to see where he goes for sure. All right, guys, we got some more great topics to discuss. We'll be right back. All right, guys, go grab Market Movers for free now. Go to sportscardinvestor.com, click Market Movers in the main menu bar to try it free for seven days or download the Market Movers app on your phone from your app store and try it free for seven days as well. Okay, our first mailbag topic of the day suggested by one of our users. Can digital cards ever overtake physical cards in value? Wow, it feels like early 2021, 2022, all over again, when there was rampant speculation about NFTs, you had early 2022 was when the NFT market was popping off like crazy. You had Tops and Panini that were releasing all their blockchain stuff in 2021 and 2022. And so much buzz about that. Feels like, feels like a lot of that buzz has died down. Certainly the prices of NFTs have died down like crazy. Of course, the prices of physical cards have come down a lot too over the last two years. Is there future in the digital card market? Make sense of this for me, Doug.
2: Well, as far, as far as the question, will it ever pass the physical collectible? I mean, for me, probably not, unless there's just some crazy utility attached to the digital asset. I mean, we see some of that right now. We see like uh, DraftKings Rainmakers or So Rare or Only Gems, where there's competition attached to it, and there's you know different gamification uh, things of that nature. So, if there's really crazy utility attached to it, maybe. But from a collectible standpoint, I don't, it, it just doesn't do it for me. I mean, there's got to be some sort of path to make them more appealing appealing than they are currently and it's just not obvious to me what that path would be so for me it's it's physical collectibles and it's not close honestly are you in that boat ben so
1: i agree with doug i don't think the digital assets will ever completely overtake the physical assets but i'm a little more bullish i think than most people for a couple reasons one we've seen this with a whole bunch of other mediums before you know 30 years ago people are going to say i'm always going to have my cds or tape you know cassette tapes or vinyl um, music largely went digital. Movies have largely went digital. Um, you know, uh, things like magazines, uh, you know, what else? Just, just general books. We look at ebooks. You can't tell me that there's no chance that these types of collectibles go that route. And then the number one reason I'm, I'm relatively bullish on this is because the younger generation of collectors have grown up with things like microtransactions and video games where they're getting like skins for league of legends or Fortnite or overwatch or something and that digital asset is always digital so the attachment to the physical is less important for a lot of those people and then like doug said you know we can have thoughtful utility something like marvel snap comes out is a great game for the phone he and teapot and i were playing it and then that has like interesting parallels on these cards that we're even going back and forth you know we we see in our shop you know, a cool Venom parallel or something, and we're texting it to each other like, hey, have you gotten this one yet? There is something there. There's like a foundation for it. Does it overtake physical cards? Probably not. But I think like to completely write it off would be silly. I I
0: think you're right on that standpoint. And I own some digital cards and own some NFTs and like experimenting in that space. And I think it may have some future for sure. I think there's definitely something to be said about that. But... With physical cards, you have a 70 plus year history of these items being collected and having value. And that's gonna be hard to shake. Um, you know, there's there's been, I, people have collected these items for years and now you're getting into multiple generations of people who have collected these items and collections being passed down. So it, it would be hard for digital to overtake physical. I'm not gonna say it's impossible. I do think there is forever a role in physical and therefore it, the 70 year history makes it a lot more safe. But certainly an interesting conversation. One final note before we move to the next topic. I don't think Fanatics is very cute in on the digital side. They in fact they mm-hmm. they um, they got out of one of their investments in, I think Handy mm-hmm. Digital. And so I think their focus very on physical and with with Fanatics taking over the card market, you know, we may physical I think is going to rule king for some time. Yeah. Uh, second topic suggested by one of our viewers in the YouTube comments was around I appeal is the eye appeal of cards overvalued or undervalued when it comes to determining a card's value, looking at two cards side by side, etc. cetera? Talk to me, Ben, about your thoughts on eye appeal.
1: So I think it completely comes down to whether or not you're talking about vintage versus ultra modern. When it comes to vintage, I think strictly vintage collectors are absolutely 100% putting a ton of investment into that eye appeal. We see it all the time on like the T206 sets or like the 33 Gaudi sets, where it's uh, cards that come back like 2.5s, they might have the same grade, but the eye appeal is completely different. When it comes to ultra modern stuff, I think it's like vastly overrated and I wouldn't even know how you necessarily apply that. I was actually sitting there trying to think about, well, what does eye appeal mean for an ultra modern card? Well, we're not thinking about the overall condition that it's kept over 50 or 60 or 70 years. What, you know whatever that is. So is it is it, uh, is it the parallels? Is it like timeless parallels? Like are we going to say that the prism silver or like a tops chrome refractor is ha, you know has great eye appeal? I'm I'm trying to nail down what that actually even means for ultra modern cards.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think that's a great, I think that's a fair question. Do you, you agree with Ben's take, or you have a different opinion on it? No,
2: 100% it? agree with that. I mean, it really boils down to those two markets. It's vintage yeah. versus, you know, modern and ultra-modern. When it comes to ultra-modern cards, we joke a lot about quality control because we have certain expectations, but you compare that to vintage, and it's night and day different, how far we've come in quality control. We expect ultra-modern cards to be able to get nines and tens. We would never hold vintage to that same expectation, So when it comes to vintage and you're shopping in, you know, PSA fours or four and a half five, whatever the case may be, then eye appeal becomes what separates those cards. And that then it becomes subjective as well because what creates eye appeal for you is it perfect centering is that more important to you than beat up corners or is it the color of the card would you rather have vibrant colors as opposed to something slightly faded uh, but then you're sacrificing centering it's all subjective to that point and then i think there's a lot of room to sort of play around and find stuff that you really like but then you know again going back to ultra modern it just has to grade well mm-hmm. because th- there's no such yeah. thing really as, as eye appeal on especially on chromium cards you don't have any of the same condition issues that plagues vintage what's the grade that's yeah. all that's all we care about
0: I remember at the National last year, there was we were hunting around in one of our National videos for 1952 Mickey Mantle, and there was a, a, a one that was relatively high-graded, like a five or five and a half. I think it was a five um, that was being offered for less money than others that we were looking at on the show floor that were graded like even a three. Yet the five looked even though it was a five it looked significantly worse when you looked at it than like the threes did elsewhere on the show floor that always stuck with me it really shows that eye appeal makes a tremendous difference when it comes to vintage and you can't just buy based on the grade it's harder to in my opinion to buy vintage online for that reason like ultra ultra modern in my opinion it's all about the grade vintage in my opinion it's all about how the card looks in person and the online photos don't always show that.
1: Yeah, so. absolutely. I've I've gotten into a little more of the T206 stuff with like four teams that went on to become the Braves. Buying online is a nightmare. Yeah, you
0: never know where you're going to get. Absolute nightmare. You never know where you're going to get. Yeah, and that's a great reason to go to the National and all these wonderful card shows that are forthcoming. All right, guys, we hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, go check out Market Movers, sportscardinvestor.com. Click Market Movers in the main menu bar. Download the Market Movers app. We appreciate you. Give us a subscribe and a like, and we'll see you for the next one. Take care.